Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Imagine This. I'm Brashina. I'm Trent. And I'm Mackenzie. And today we're talking about short plays. Just kidding, the episode is done. Yeah, get it? Because it's short. (laughs) (laughs) Brashina's so funny. Listen, I was meant to be a mom and say bad jokes. Um, There's still time. (laughs) Um, And today we have a special guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself, special guest? Uh, sure. I'm Jake Page. I'm a local actor and costumer here in Waco, Texas. Uh, that's kind of my life. I yeah. have to play a lot of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. As lots yeah. of theater and costumers do, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake is pretty fantastic. They work with us quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently in our production of Rent, they played Mark. So um, they're here because we are going to read not one, but two short plays. That's one of the beauties of short plays is you can really get through those things because they tend to only be about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think really um, where we ought to start is why short plays? Like why why do they exist? Do they matter? Should I Mm -hmm. read them and watch them? Or are they just short and therefore bad? <laughs> These are the questions that we we must answer. There's some really profound short plays that like then get made into longer like full length plays, but I think short plays are important um, on a, for a couple different reasons. As an actor, I think they're important because you get to learn how to do some really great acting in a very short amount of time. Um, so whenever you know, people are like, oh, well, I just feel like they weren't in the show long enough to make an impact. That's wrong. <laughs> Being in a short play teaches you how to um, have a like emotional arc in 10 minutes or less um, or 30 minutes or less, depending on like how short the play is. And that's really important for an actor because sometimes you have to be able to access, access things very quickly and make things make sense very quickly in a short amount of time for an audience. So I think that it's important on that front. And then as a playwright, I think it's important because you if you start with a full length, it's probably going to be a mess. 
short lengths help you learn like the mechanics I think sometimes of writing a play and like how okay we have to have our rising action we have to have our um, middle action and then we have to have our uh, falling action and the end and you have to do it in such a like short time that it helps you understand like okay I can take a little bit away from the exposition or I can take a little bit out of here um, and just sort of like help you to self-edit when it comes to like writing longer plays if that makes sense and as a playwright what I would say is that it becomes pretty important to have at least a couple of 10 minute plays in your repertoire because theaters we talk about producibility of mm-hmm. new work a lot on this podcast and theaters are far more prone to put on a 10 minute play festival than a full length play festival because it's simply a lot easier mm-hmm. and there's more payoff for the theater a lot of times in one evening of theater you can program eight to 10 short plays if the sets are minimal and then and now you have actors and directors for each of those eight to ten plays which Mm. now means that you're virtually guaranteed a sold out house right so there's more incentive for theaters to do short play festivals when it specifically comes to new work so as a playwright it's important to have at least a couple of those because it's an important opportunity to get your words in front of people and gives you more opportunity to do so than if you only ever had full-length plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mackenzie, weigh in on why we would have an episode about short plays. Why, why do we um, like them? Because I think that short plays are often um, overlooked. And um, I'll be vulnerable for a second. I've never done a short play. I've never, as an actor, gone to do a short play. And so I think that that just right there in itself reflects like just how often it's kind of brushed under the rug, maybe even in the theater education system. Oops. So one of the best ways I think to illustrate the beauty of a short play is to read some of them. So we have two that we're going to read. The first one is actually one that I wrote. So Jake and I will be voicing the two characters and Brashina is going to be reading some of the stage directions. When a play is performed via audio, stage directions are what is typically on the page, but you're seeing it acted out You know, you're not usually hearing it aloud, but in a format like this, it can become really helpful to hear stage directions because it's painting the picture in your head. And as a playwright, when you sit around a table and read scripts to kind of see where it's at and if you need to tweak anything, the stage directions are always read because if it's an important enough stage direction, it's worth hearing out loud in Mm -hmm. that setting. And it becomes very obvious when you're doing that if the playwright has either not written enough stage directions because there's not a picture to be had or they're writing too many stage directions and now they're trying to direct the play that they're writing, (laughs) right? So like that's a little bit of an aside from the conversation. But before we dove in, I'm not sure if we've read stage directions on this podcast before, actually. So I wanted to be sure that we kind of voiced that and why it's important and why developmentally it's actually really, really helpful for someone to be reading those when you're working through scripts. So, Christina is going to be doing that for this play. 
Try by Trent Sutton. Lights up on two men, sitting across from each other at a restaurant table. There is a shareable appetizer between them. Here. Randall grabs a fork full of the food and places it across the table on Grayson's plate. Oh, uh, thanks. It looks good, doesn't it? Randall now places a serving on his own plate. Yeah! Randall takes a huge bite of his food, making his mouth way too full. As good as it looked? Even better. How about you? What do you think? Delicious. An awkward silence ensues as Randall finishes what's on his plate and reaches for more. Grayson, on the other hand, sits there, simply moving the food around with his fork. Finally, Randall looks up from his food long enough to notice. What's wrong? You don't like it? Grayson slams his fork down. Why didn't you use a more recent picture? Oh, so you're still upset? Wouldn't you be? I guess so. I don't know. I haven't been on enough dates to know if I'd be upset or not, I guess. You lied to me. I didn't lie. You used... An old picture? That's not a lie. It's still me. Five years and 40 pounds ago, maybe. Right. You wouldn't have come if you knew what I actually looked like. That's not what I'm... Probably wouldn't have swiped right in the first place, actually. You really think that's true? If it isn't, then why are you upset? Because I don't like being lied to. I think what you don't like is being seen on a date with someone below your station. Okay, this isn't a caste system. Only a pretty person would say that. What? Only a pretty person would say that. Maybe I should go. Do you want to go? I don't know. Confusing, isn't it? What? Liking me. I don't like liars. But before we got here and you saw me, you liked me, right? Or you wouldn't have come? Well, sure. But then you got here, saw me, and it's confusing how you could have liked me so much when I actually look like this. That's not... That's... The truth? Grayson doesn't answer. Ugly, isn't it? Grayson still offers no reply. Randall reaches across the table, taking a forkful of what's on Grayson's plate. If you didn't like it, I'll eat it. It really doesn't bother you at all that you tricked me into this date. You asked me. I asked who I thought was you. Oh, it was? Yeah, yeah, it was you. So what, you do this to a lot of guys? No. I told you I hadn't been on very many dates. This was my first time on one of those dating apps in a long time. Okay. I just broke up with my boyfriend a few months ago. I'm sorry. Don't be. He was a lying piece of shit. And before you make some smart-ass comment about me being a lying piece of shit, let's not compare apples and oranges. I wasn't going to. We were together for five years. Oh. The, the picture I used was... It was from... From before. I think I thought if I used it... Then you could be who you used to be? Exactly. But pictures don't work that way. Unfortunately not. I'm sorry about your piece of shit, boyfriend. Me too. Wow. What? It's just five years? It's just, I don't, I don't know. Hard to imagine. You've never... No, not even close. 
You've never wanted? No, I have. But he didn't want... No, he didn't. Oh. Yeah. Well, this is some lousy first date talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shouldn't we be talking about our favorite colors or the weather or something lame? Is that how most first dates go? Only the bad ones. So, yeah. Most of them. <laughs> so, what's your favorite color? No. No? This isn't a bad one. What? I said that's how the bad ones go, and this isn't a bad one. No? No. You're not still upset? I guess not. Oh. <laughs> Good. No more lies, though. Uh, deal. Uh, should we order an entree? How about we order whatever this was again first? You did like it then. Well, it looked like you did. And this time, I'll actually try it. Lights fade to black. End of play. That's so fun. <laughs> you hadn't, so you hadn't heard that before, no, had you, Rashida? So what is your before. gut reaction, and then we'll get Mackenzie's gut reaction. That's so... Uh, like, it feels so organic. Like, being on a date for a first, for the first time, like, using dating apps, it encapsulates so much so quickly. Um, it really makes you think, like, how much you actually learn in a play in, like, such a short amount of time. Uh, and it didn't feel, like, weird or clunky and, like, uh, yeah, we've been on dating apps and we met through a dating app. And, you know, it, like, it wasn't somebody explaining that to me. I was watching it unfold and these things were just, like, coming out of the conversation. It's it's so sweet. Like, it ends in such a sweet place. Like, yes, mm-hmm. we're going to continue the date. We won't know, like, how that date ends or, you know, how their conversations go after that. But just, like to end on like a hopeful note I think that's so sweet I love that Mackenzie um I believe you pitched this one to me when we were in the car one time that that (laughs) feels right (laughs) I think I've been around with this one since its conception um so I I loved reading it the first time that you like sent me a draft um so I've read all the iterations of this one and I, I just think it's lovely I think it's um a very straightforward, very human, well-rounded short play that I think is quite relatable for a lot of people because like dating apps are just like kind of the way the world works these days. And so I just, I think that it's a really accessible piece of theater. I agree. It felt very natural. And that's what I look for in theater. <laughs> what did, did you, was there something that you connected to as an actor more than other things? Um, I like, I love characters who are emotionally confused. And so that's a thing that I really connect to. So getting to read for Grayson, I loved that tension between like, he did have interest in this person, but now he's confused. Uh, That's something I always am drawn to in whether I'm just reading something or performing it on a stage. And so we we talked about how a 10-minute play really has to, like, distill the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And so I am glad that it comes off so naturally and organically. Um, Bershina, like, almost just said it was like, you know, it's like showing, not telling, right? Mm -hmm. We're, like, watching this unfold. We don't feel like there's all this exposition happening, like, explaining things. We're just literally watching this date happen. Um, 
But I think with a 10-minute play, there's so much that you have to pack in so quickly if you want it to say something, right? Mm -hmm. And so on the one hand, it really is just like a cute, hopeful, sweet kind of romantic comedy vibe. But then, like, at the same time, there's really some conversations to be had around the culture of online dating. And as a gay man who's done online dating, like, it is a scary world out there. And, like, the beauty standards are wild. So, like, you know, Grayson is thinking that he posted this picture just to, like, be more attractive or younger or whatever than he is currently. Whereas... Randall, who doesn't have any experience in this, is like, I was just trying to be the version of myself that I liked better. Like, he wasn't trying to deceive. He was just Mm -hmm. like, you know, and you wonder in some senses, like, what if he just doesn't even have any good pictures from the last five years that weren't with his boyfriend? Yeah. Right? Like, so there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack there about the nature of relationships and long-term versus short-term. And how does one date in this world in which you have to put your best foot forward but then what really even constitutes a lie Mm -hmm. because even if you're showing pictures of yourself that are more present day you can still lie and show pictures of yourself that are accurate right Mm -hmm. like you're Mm -hmm. you know the lie of social media and your best self that's not real like there's so much to kind of unpack in just 10 minutes there was also such a like there's another like added layer for me as like a fat person who's dating in that like sometimes people will just accuse you of lying by putting up different photos of yourself and it doesn't necessarily matter when they were taken or if they're all at your current weight sometimes people will just be like you lied to me you do not look like that in your photos and you're like i actually do like (laughs) this is this is who i am um or you know somebody will be like do you actually look like that like i don't know how many times you get asked for like send me a photo of you right now and i'm like i'm laying in bed of course i'm not gonna look like (laughs) i'm not gonna look like this photo like this photo of me where i'm standing on the beach um but like there's a there's an added layer for like a fat person who is looking at this and being like holy crap yes i've been through that and like what it means to try and put your best foot forward and still have people be like, you're lying. And like, no, I'm not. Maybe if you just got to know me, we would have a good conversation. So yeah, I love that. Very cool. And how crazy it is that that matters so much, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and the one, it, the play starts and you really feel like Randall's in some ways in the wrong, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's not really an excuse for putting a five-year-old picture as your main picture, like, at face value, right? Like, <laughs> okay, we can universally accept that, like, that's really not the best move, friend. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it keeps going and he actually has some really good points. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines is, only a pretty person would say that because mm-hmm. it's so true. Like, only people who don't have to worry about things like that are like, Mm -hmm. that's not fair (laughs) because they don't have to worry about what pictures they're choosing or if someone is going to be attracted to them in person. Like they're not thinking about those things. And so there's something really interesting about like, you think that he's in the wrong, but then he has some really important points. Actually, he's like, well, you liked me before. So why does it matter so much now? Mm -hmm. Ooh, it's actually a good question. Mm hmm. 
And yet you ha- I have to wonder, and I feel like people watching, listening have to wonder, I'm like, would I be as forgiving as Grayson was? Like, I'm not sure. And what, and what does that say about me? Like that, like that's, to me, that's one of the harder questions that the play asks is like, would you stay on the date? And are you wrong for not staying on the date? Or are you right for staying on the date? Like, it, it's it's a really gray area. It is. Yeah. Other thoughts before we shift gears to another play? Mackenzie, any final thoughts about Try? I love that it's not just a straight-up bad first date play. Because mm-hmm. we've all either seen or witnessed bad first dates and I feel like those get really tired because like it's entertaining for a bit but then it like it just like gets tired and I think that this one is just like really refreshing Mm -hmm. and that is um you know as we talk about new work right like in some ways it's not unlike a lot of things we've seen before but then it has a new thing right it kind of breathes life into the same trope, so to speak. You know, Mackenzie's like, we've seen bad first dates play out on stage before, but then this one has a twist that makes it something new from the thing that we've been seeing, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's two men makes it different from what we've Mm -hmm. been seeing, too. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Brashina, uh, why don't you introduce the next play that we're going to read? Because this is someone whose work you've directed before right mm-hmm. um with dragon eggs theater r.i.p um uh i did i worked with zachariah Ezer, um who's a playwright out here in austin um he's done literally so many things go see his um page on new play exchange it like lists it lists his bio and all the things that he's done he's such a cool person um but i directed his play called crossover um which is a short another short play um, and it's a series, it's part of a series of short plays that he wrote that kind of fuses the idea of comics and superheroes with black history um, in in plays. And so it's, that's super interesting. We couldn't read that one because it has five characters and all of them are black. And <laughs> we don't have enough people on this podcast who fit any of those descriptions. So uh, we're reading one of his other plays um, called Mate. I'm going to say it wrong. Mise en ambe. Ambiam. Say that one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Mise en ambien. Or variations on steamed hams by Zachariah Ezer. Very good. I'm excited. So we're going to read the steamed ham play. Yes. I'm sorry. That's not the title, but it is... (laughs) I just love that there's steamed hams in the title. That's really strange.
okay, so Mackenzie, kick us off with stage direction. She'll be reading that this time, and Bristina and I will be. Oh, well, Mackenzie's actually also going to be a character. One of there's a minor character that she will be playing as well as reading stage directions, and then Bristina and I will be reading the main two. Some or all of the YouTube video Steamed Hams plays on the back wall of the theater. One, 22 short films about Springfield, lights up on Armin Tasmanian, nervously adjusting a well-set table. A doorbell rings, Super Nintendo enters stage right. Oh, hello, sir, you made it. No thanks to your directions. Well, I hope you're prepared to eat. That is what I'm here for. Well, let me just go check on the food. Please have a seat. Armin Tasmanian. Oh, wow, I said that wrong. Tim Zarian. Mm-hmm. Exit stage left into the kitchen. Super Nintendo impatiently waits at the table. Is everything okay in there? Super Nintendo walks stage left and peeks his head off stage. What is wrong with your oven? We hear some sound from Armin Taz- T- Tim Zarian, but we aren't sure what he's saying. If you say so, I'll be back at the table. Super Nintendo walks back to the table and sits. Eventually, Agnes walks through the audience and climbs on stage. Hello, you must be. I'm Agnes. Nice to meet you. I'm... I know who you are. I watch TV. All right. Well, will you be joining? I was a wing walker, you know. Excuse me? I used to ride a unicycle on the wing of an airplane. That's very impressive. Agnes looks around. She moves closer to Super Nintendo. Uh, That man in there? He's not my son. He's an imposter. I'm sure he's not. Armin Timzarian re-enters, but from stage right somehow. He holds a serving dish. Mother, are you bothering our guest? No. That's what I thought. Now go back to your room. Agnes bows her head and exits through the audience. Was she saying anything strange to you while I was gone? As a matter of fact, she was. She told me that she used to ride a unicycle on a plane, and she said that you weren't Oh, a terrible thing when a loved one starts to decline after so many years together. Ghastly. But she is the source, so she must be taken care of, and it's left to us to sort things out for those who can't for themselves. I suppose. She was a teacher before. So you're in the family business? For better or worse, I didn't plan to be. Oh, no. I trained in Jungian psychology. Interesting. I was going to be a cartographer. I was never any good, though. And you know what they say, those who can't do. Exactly. (laughs) So you? I couldn't find work. Young isn't trendy anymore. It's much more postmodern these days. I suppose that's true. So what is it we're having? I may have told you shellfish earlier, but I was thinking hamburgers. If that's what you have. Armin Timzarian approaches the table and takes the top off the serving dish. They eat. Do you ever notice there's no black people in this town? I think there are. Well, none that talk like black people anyway. Hmm, that is odd. This is... Good cooking. Thank you. I learned in the war. Well, they taught you well. Armin Timzarian notices something off stage. I think it's time you got going. Is something wrong? Not really. The future is approaching. The future? May I see? No. No one can. Blackout. Two. Lisa gets an A. Lights up on Armin Tamzarian standing near a poorly set table. A doorbell rings. Super Nintendo enters stage right. Oh, hello, sir. You made it. No thanks to your directions. I know. I gave you the wrong address on purpose. Are we ready to eat? Let me check on the food. 
Armin exits stage left. He returns immediately. It's all burned. How could you let that happen? I don't much care for this job, and I care even less for this dinner, so I can't say I was very careful. Fair enough. We don't think much of you. I think you should leave. The fire is spreading from the oven to the rest of the house. I, if you think that's best. I do. Blackout. Three. Bart to the future. Lights up on Armin, Tim, Zarian, and Super Nintendo sitting at the table eating. And so, it seems as if they predicted Siegfried Fischbacher getting mauled by his tiger, the approximate weight of the Higgsbossen, and then, of course, the Trump presidency. How do you think they do that? See the future. I have a theory. I'm listening. I think they're somehow tapped into the collective unconscious, to the source of everything. They have some sort of supernatural receiver for whatever is coming in over the celestial airwaves. You know I don't believe any of that shit. I do, but how else do you explain it? Maybe they just got lucky. No one's that lucky. Not that anyone thinks they're any good anymore anyway. Right. They did one based on a Borges theory, on a Borges story. If they were tapped into anything at all, I think they should have predicted that would go south. <laughs> Maybe. Are you ready for dessert? Armin T- Timzerian stands and exits stage left. Yes, you said we are having monkey bread, right? Armin returns with a serving dish. Not quite. We're having monkey. Armin opens the dish. Monkey? I was trying to get him to come up with Shakespeare on the typewriter, but I guess we didn't wait long enough. The closest he got was writing, Thank you, come again, over and over. I see. What's his name? Carl. But now that I've told you, I think that's just going to make eating him harder. Maybe so. I think I'll manage. They eat. You wanted to be a cartographer, correct? Yes, I did. Why didn't you succeed? My scales were never right. I just kept wanting and big and each map more and more. And they fired you for that? I quit. Why stick around and let them make your vision more craptacular each year? I feel the same way about my work. Your efforts are perfectly cromulent, even if I'm hard on you sometimes. Thank you, sir. Super Nintendo gives Armin Tamzarian the thumbs up. Blackout. Four. Cape Fiere but also Mr. Burns' opposed electric play. Lights upon Armin Tamzarian and Super Nintendo sitting at the table eating. Remind me the monkey's name. Lou. Right. We gave him a voice, but he wasn't grateful, so now we have to destroy him. I see. He was a police officer for a while. You're kidding. Over 30 years, no lie. You're full of shit. Fine, don't believe me. The two eat in silence a moment. Do you know what I've been obsessed with lately? Tell me. They have these videos on the internet where they remix clips from television shows. Into what? Whatever you want. They turn them into songs, tell new stories with the words. Sometimes they even recreate every bit, frame by frame, in new styles. And the longer they go on, the further they mutate from the original idea into something completely different. What kind of shows do they do? All kinds. I've seen a lot of diversity in the selections. Do they do Martin? I love Martin when I was younger. You know what? I don't know if I've ever seen them do Martin. Hmm. I actually never watched Martin. You must. It's great. I feel like I only heard about it when rappers started referencing it. That makes sense. It was a pretty niche show, but those songs are pretty popular. Cultural blind spot, I suppose. It's kind of a closed system. Some things get to evolve, and some things mostly die. What do you mean? 
Like, they make certain shows into certain kinds of recuts, and certain shows only ever get reduced to reference fodder. Not everything can be metabolized. Maybe. You do have to watch what you eat. But if you don't metabolize something, you can't know it. You can't see the future without the proper source. A moment. Can you pass the monkey? Blackout. Five, the principal and the pauper, and maybe smoke gets in your eyes. Agnes and Armand Tasmari- Tas- Mm, Tamsarian stand stage left. You're not my son. Of course I am. My son died in Vietnam. You killed Julius Hippert. He was a monkey. He was my doctor. You're talking crazy, mother. I'm not your mother. I'm a former Olympic pole vaulter, and you are the elementary school principal who lives in my attic. Sure, and you're also the living embodiment of a sitcom that has been running for over 30 years. But what are you going to do about it? Things change. I... I was a wing walker. I know you were. Now look out the window or you're going to miss the northern lights. Armin Timzarian turns himself away from the audience. Agnes takes a moment and then does the same. Some Simpsons wave starts to play on the back wall of the theater. Or maybe the house just burns down. Super Nintendo takes center stage. In that empire, the art of representation attains such hegemony that the products of their leisure predicted the events of the, the empire, and their maps captured the essence of being. In time, those unconscionable representations no longer satisfied, and the leisure makers stuck a map of the empire whose reach was that of the empire, and which coincided part, point for point with it. The following generations, who were from points uncharted on the maps of their forebears, saw that that vast representation was useless, and not without some pitilessness was it that they delivered it up to the inclemencies of sun and winters. In the deserts of the West, still today, there are tattered ruins of that map, inhabited by apes and foreigners. In all the land, there is no other relic of the disciplines of representation. Blackout. End of play. That was quite fun. <laughs> I love Zach's work. It's so much fun. Um, yeah. That play is so, so interesting. So, like, as you can see, 10-minute plays can be very realistic. Or they can, like, veer into that realm of, like, fantasy where you're, like, experimenting with a genre. Um, and this is definitely one of those that, like, experiments with the genre a little bit. It's so cool. Yeah. I think that's a thing that can be a good strength of a short play. Um I find in my own experience with a short story, I'm more willing to suspend my disbelief more easily, and so I accept the more fantastical and absurd concepts that I might struggle to process over the course of two hours. Um, yeah, I, that was just a very fun experience to sit over here and hear it all play out. Was there something that most stood out to you or that it made you think about? Um... I mean, the thing that really got me is trying to figure out why the character is called Super Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious as to the the kind of, if there is reasoning behind different things. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm guessing there is a reason behind the choices made. Um, but as an audience member, I'm just kind of having to accept that I'm not going to know the answer to that. And there's a kind of fun mystery and fun play with the story itself mm -hmm. 
of like like that acceptance of we're not gonna totally understand each other here. Yes. I love the Simpsons references in here. Mm. And like even the reference to Mr. Burns, the post post ugh, post uh, electric play. Good lord, I don't know words today. Um because that's like how the play structure kind of follows is that it's a bunch of like vignettes <laughs> that technically don't have anything to do with each other but it's the same two characters the same Mm -hmm. three characters each time talking about the same things it's very interesting it's very cool yeah i think that it is really interesting that the play not quite but like almost becomes self-aware towards the end Mm -hmm. it talks about like the splicing of things together and how like something gets like further and further removed from the original like it makes you think that that Mm -hmm. first scene is the original and that by the time you get to the end it's just like fully deconstructed and has become this like whole other thing because it's because it's been so many iterations Mm -hmm. of it and it's now so far removed Mm -hmm. um so i think that that to me is one of the most interesting things is that it like points to its own degeneration mm-hmm. um and that is really cool yes. Mackenzie, what did it make you think about um i'm confused and i think that's the point um <laughs> i definitely got the same takeaway as like the um like the representationalism representation i don't know words are hard um like how it like is self-aware and probably like devolves away from the original like i got that but like also i don't understand the references because um i've never seen the simpsons and i don't understand the references to their things because i just am uncultured um so (laughs) i feel like if you do get the references it probably makes more sense to you Mm -hmm. well i like that it it references like um you know taking these videos and things which is like a big thing on tiktok Mm-hmm. Um, like the edits on TikTok is what it makes me think of. And there's probably been other ways that the generations have done this. I know they used to do it on YouTube too. Like this is not new. We're always like remaking the same things and sometimes using the original source material and just layering onto it with different things. So like this makes me think of like all those edits and things that people do of like their favorite shows or like adding in, you know, like POVs of different things. Um, I think it's really cool. I really like that it's examined that because as a society that's what we're doing all the time and then I feel like there's this under layer of in the beginning there's this line of like there's no black people here (laughs) and then at the end it talks specifically about Mm -hmm. representation Mm -hmm. and I feel like there's this question of like as we remake things is it getting more or less diverse Mm -hmm. like are we retelling stories with Mm -hmm. the same voices and the same intents or is it like bringing in more people? I also think that line is funny because it notes in the play itself that like the three characters can be of any ethnicity. So we had a like very interesting exchange there where Trent says this line about there's no black people here. And I was like, well, I think that's, there might be. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So like you can, like playing again with like who's in those roles even in this like very short 10 minute play playing with who's in those roles you can get a very different like reading of the play the play felt like it had a lot of versatility in -hmm. terms of casting like i could even see agnes being played by like a child or a teenager yeah Mm -hmm. and that coming across 
as a very interesting, different way as if uh, Agnes was played of someone of mothering age. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of versatility there that would allow this play to be seen in different ways mm-hmm. every time it's put on. Yes. And so we, we selected these two plays because th- there's a lot of contrast here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Try <laughs> is just a very simple narrative. Mm-hmm. It accomplishes what it is intended to, but like Brigina's first word was organic, right? Mm-hmm. This feels like it's unfolding very naturally. I think nothing about this steamed ham play Mm -hmm. variations on steamed ham i i don't think that we would call it organic you know (laughs) what i mean like that and that's not the point it's intended Mm -hmm. to be jarring and strange and confusing and maybe like if you know the references there's something to really be enjoyed there and if you don't know the references i think it's intended to kind of point you back towards those references in different ways like make you want to explore some of the things that it's referencing so i think that you know in 10 minutes so much can be accomplished in such very different ways and it really just depends on the playwright and the story they're trying to tell and what conversation they want to start in only 10 minutes Mm -hmm. so we love 10 minute plays here they are they are cool ways to experiment with genre if you are like starting out and you're intimidated by writing a full-length play which like a full-length play is an intimidating thing to write not gonna Mm -hmm. lie to you um starting with a 10-minute play where you just like establish like it also helps you with like your character work um and that i think is in everything because i've so i used to direct for dragon eggs r.i.p um for quite a bit and so they would do 10 minute play festivals every month and they would do um three to four plays um that were just 10 minutes and so the director would direct all of them um and so i have a lot of experience like work like directing a short play it helps you again like on the director side again to condense what's important you really understand like what is a throwaway line and what is the important bit like very quickly upon reading it because you know you only have 10 minutes um to work with the actors and it's it's such a cool experience you can play with genre you can play with um like I said, your character work, just getting to know two characters or three characters in such a like short amount of time, it really helps you to like then go on and write like bigger characters because you understand what they need to like function. So 10 minute plays, short plays, those are where it's at. We love them. Yeah. And to Regina's point, it's a really good place to start writing. Um, because you can take an idea and encapsulate it. And then oftentimes a really good 10 minute play becomes this fodder for a larger idea. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a lot less pressure to write something that's 10 minutes than it is to write something that's two hours. So for people who are interested in writing, I think it's a really good place to start. And it's deceptively tricky. Like, mm-hmm. we're not telling mm-hmm. you to write a 10-minute play because it's easy. No. No. But, we're right, telling you to, <laughs> but we're telling you to write it because it's more manageable. Yeah. And it will make you a better writer mm-hmm. when you prepare to launch into that fuller-length work. Yeah. So it's a really good starting place, not because it's easy, but because it can be done. And mm-hmm. it feels much more achievable. And it will sharpen your skills. Mm-hmm. So there's really no downside. You'll still have to go through an editing process, so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap up this 
not so short episode about short plays. <laughs> this was a fun episode. I loved this. It was. It was fun getting to read two full plays all in one episode. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to do more of that. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm Brashina. I'm Trent. And Mackenzie's going to tell us where you can find I'm out more. Oh my god, I'm a mess today. Um, yeah, you can find more about us on Instagram at Imagine This Theater Pod, Theater with an R E, or at Wild Imaginings Waco, WildImaginingsWaco.com, or through our wonderful producers, Rogue Media Networks. And thanks for joining us, Jake. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. We'll have them back. <laughs> Thank you uh, for spending some time with us to imagine this. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Thank you.